technology and acquisition to citizen services and mission execution. A culture shift is underway with federal government leaders increasingly seeking out solutions that disrupt the way business has traditionally been done. Here we connect with those government and industry leaders driving this change and driving the real results in support of their agency mission. This is Keeping IT Brief. joined today by Dr. Art Villanueva, the Chief AI ML Technology Architect for Dell Technologies Federal Strategic Programs. Art, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, Thank you for having me, Marianne. So as you know, AI has exploded. Everybody's talking about it. So what do you think are the three most important AI areas that we should focus on? Oh, gosh, yeah, that's a good question. There's so much. There's so many to choose from. But uh, immediately, I think what, what comes to mind, I, I'll name the, the three, right? Federated learning, generative AI. And I, and I would say that uh, nobody talks about this is uh, something called meta-algorithmics. So let me, let me mention, let me talk about the, the three, right? So, okay. so uh, federated learning um, is, well, well, first of all, I, let, let me say, uh, let me distinguish between uh, machine learning and AI, right? I, I think that's important. M- machine learning is a way of getting AI, of achieving AI. Now, AI itself is actually not that uh, not that new. AI can be fairly basic, like this something called good good old fashioned AI or GoFi, G O F A I. And so something like a thermostat, I would consider uh, an AI. It just doesn't seem very intelligent, but it mimics a human, right? When something, when, when it gets too hot or it gets too cold, then it engages, right? So that is a form of, of simple AI. Now, so federated learning is uh, a technique that enables learning to happen, even though you have multiple devices that are distributed in a geographic, in a large geographic area. So they may be Internet of Things, such as uh, phones or thermostats or anything else that may have a small computer in it. Those make may have sensors that collect data that is subject to privacy restrictions. If those devices have those privacy restrictions and don't want to send the data to a central server that creates or creates the intelligence for the whole system. One way of doing it is to have learning happen at the edge devices. And then the model from those edge devices are then sent to the central server. The central server aggregates all those intelligence that it that it's gathered from the different uh, edge devices creates a new model and sends it back out to the edge devices so this way even though the data isn't sent to the central server the intelligence is shared amongst all the different devices right so that's the essence of federated learning uh, by doing that 
uh, as I said, privacy is preserved. And as an added bonus, there's a reduction in traffic. You know, we have seen in some of our tests that we have we can reduce as much as 95 to 97 or 98 percent of traffic uh, by not sending the data to the central server. The second one that I want to talk to you about is called generative AI. You know, this is something that I'm sure uh, your listeners have heard fairly recently. It's very popular nowadays, particularly with the release of uh, ChatGPT 3.5 and then now 4.0, right? You know, the, but ChatGPT and all these large language models, uh, they're called large language models because they use so much of that, so much data, so, so much, so many words, so many, uh, you know, words from the internet or other sources. But, you know, there are other types of generative AI out there for audio, for images, and really any type of multimedia. Chat GPT, they're called large language models, uh, because as, as I mentioned, uses a lot of training data. It also uses billions of parameters. Now, parameters are things that you tweak in your model to make your machine work a certain way. So think of a model, basically a, a machine learning model. It's a big virtual machine. And uh, you can customize that model by doing lots of tweaks. So those those knobs that you tweak can be thought of as the parameters in the model. And by doing so, you can create the model that you want that's customized to your particular application. So, you know, chat GPT, like I said, is an example, but you can also generate curricula, legal documents, summaries of novels, instruction manuals, so all kinds of things like that. And, and, uh, and of course there's, uh, for images, there are applications like Midjourney, Stable Diffusion, Dolly of, uh, are some examples. For audio, you have Murph. And video, uh, one of my favorites is Synthesia. So, so yeah, generative AI, I think is, is one of those that we should really take a look at. Uh, and the third one that I want to mention is, uh, you, most people probably haven't heard of this is called meta algorithmics. So meta algorithmics is, uh, it's probably not as popular because it's a little esoteric, I would say. And maybe tilted more towards engineering. I happen to, my background happens to be in software and systems engineering. Uh, that is engineering complex systems. And, uh, if you remember, or, or your listeners may remember, uh, back in the nineties, there's something called design patterns that became really popular, right? And it's basically a way of combining components of software and something, you know, more useful as as a larger system. Uh, meta-algorithmics are the same thing. They're basically taking different uh, algorithms, putting them together, uh, combining these boxes, and creating a new system. Uh, meta-algorithmics has the potential to create better systems, uh, even when the individual component uh, algorithms have been maxed out to their best efficiency. So yeah, that's kind of you know that's probably rather long, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think those three are some things that, that uh, we should all look for. That's great. Now you're really you're enthusiastic about the future of AI and these technologies. 
they seem very promising. I can certainly think of a multitude of ways that these AI technologies can be used for the benefit of people. I know some people are very, oh, AI is going to take over the world. So if you were to put yourself on a scale of one to 10, where is AI? Where AI, number one, AI is going to bring the demise of the human species or 10, AI is the best thing since sliced bread. Where do you stand? Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm a more optimistic. A more optimistic side. And I would say it's probably a seven or an eight, right? Uh, yeah, so that's, 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 that's kind of what I'm thinking. Okay, so now why a seven, eight? What's preventing you from saying it's a ten? Well, you know, as, uh, you know, as with everything, just about any technology, right? AI has the ability to make life a, a lot better for all of us. And, and as you said, also, I mean, it may cause a demise, you know, so some think that it may cause the demise of humanity. Uh, some very prominent, uh, computer scientists and engineers are, you know, thinking that and have really, you know, exploded popularity in the internet with that, uh, those, those very negative, uh, thoughts that, but, you know, like, like, Everything else, you know, there are some pros and cons, and I can think of potential dangers. So the, the first would be, I, I think, digital divide, right? Will it, uh, you know, some think that the digital divide will, you know, will will get bigger, and some think that it'll get much smaller, that it will democratize the technology, and and I. Certainly think to an extent that that's the case, right? It'll just make things easier for, for a lot of people, maybe most people. But at the same time, there's a problem is how do you get that technology, that AI to folks that really need them? You know, because not, you know, even in this day, not everybody has the internet. Nobody, not everybody has access to computers. And so those that are kind of left behind now are likely to even get even more left behind as the AI explosion continues. But so, so that's one. I think there's a problem, potential problem with untrustworthy AI. And so the, the idea that, you know, you can always rely on AI is, is kind of a fallacy. Right. There is, you know, lots of times when you can't rely on AI. And that's kind of one of the movements is trying to make sure that our AI, everything that we developed is, you know, is trustworthy. Remember, these AI models are black boxes. They're, they're, you know, and, and as we move forward, these black boxes are getting larger and larger and much more complex than they are now. And those black boxes can either be trained with good data or, or bad data, right? So now with, with bad data, you know, you can feed it data that is, you know, is biased or is just not factually correct. And, and so as, as we know, you know, garbage in, garbage out, you know, you train your model on bad data and you're going to get garbage. Uh, and there's, you know, the concept of explainable AI is, is a big thing. And, and that essentially means trying to make sense or trying to explain 
what you're getting has a clear path from where it came from, right? So that's called explainable AI, uh, understanding that what you've gotten is, uh, is good information from the past, uh, from training data. The, the third one, and this is actually a reasonably, probably a newer concept, and it's called generative inbreeding. You know, it's kind of a funny name. That is the idea that, you know, as, you know, generative AI, as you know, and, and has been mentioned, uh, generates data from data that already exists, right? It, it, it comes up with new things, new ways of combining the old data into something new. So the problem is right now there's, there's something called hallucinations with uh, large language models and these, these chatbots. Hallucinations are those that are not factually true, right? You may query chat GPT for something and it may give you something that uh, a result that's totally false. Now, how are you supposed to know, right? Without really fact checking whether that information that you got is true or false. Well, a lot of people don't check. And a lot of that, you know, fake or false information gets back into the internet and repopulates basically, you know, it adds to the, the data that's out there. Now, future large language models that then scrape the internet for data will find this fake data or false data uh, and then come up with more false data and then put that back out into the internet. And what happens then is you get this loop in which there's a degeneration of the data that is then uh, ingested and output to the population. So that, that's the concept of generative inbreeding. And there are some ways of reducing that, but I think it's a, it's a real problem. I think those three are, are some of the dangers. Uh, that's why it's not a 10. Yeah. <laughs> so, that, that makes, yeah. that makes sense. Like if, if AI is in the wrong hands, it could be used in the wrong way for bad stuff, which. I, absolutely. absolutely. Fortunate. Well, Art, is there anything else you would like to add? Uh, no, I, I, well, except that, you know, AI is such a, a wide, you know, vast area. This is kind of why I'm, I'm, you know, really excited to be in this, uh, in this domain. And so there's plenty of learn, uh, and plenty to, uh, to contribute back to society. Okay. Well, Art, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Marianne. Thank you for listening. For more episodes, check us out at govforum.io or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And please subscribe, give us five stars, and share with your friends. 